beautiful day. We've got more people in the lobby than we do out here. That's all right. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. Good morning to everybody online. God bless you. Let's give God our best this morning.
yeah. I always want to end that when, when it goes, uh, God, I'm a country boy. That's what it just seems. To, I don't know. Go ahead and have a seat this morning. You're doing, it drives me nuts. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all on you. <laughs> all right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Oh, how are we doing? Good. It's a beautiful day. Beautiful day. We got a couple announcements today. Uh, first up, refresh. They got a potluck coming up on June 15th at 6, and the theme is breakfast. Breakfast. Yummy. Yummy. I like breakfast. I got breakfast corn dogs. Those, the kids gobble those up. Were there pancakes and yeah. sausage? Yeah. Mmm. Except for Paul. Oh, okay, I didn't get them. My wife got them for me. <laughs> Paul, we always dip them, in, they dip them in syrup. Yeah. And Paul ends up wearing all the syrup. And the dogs, the dogs follow. Just fall? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got awesome uh, Father's Day next Sunday. So all you fathers, be sure to come. Come on. Yeah, it's rough. It's not. <laughs> come on. Father's You're going to be preaching. Am I? No. <laughs> I mean, I am. I am. <laughs> I am. Don't forget, uh, every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. with Miss Jerry downstairs is a Bible study. Um, anytime there's, there's an option to uh, get more in the Word, I, I would jump on it. Get more, especially when you have, you know, as a church body, to, to come together and learn the Word. It's, it makes it special. Hold you accountable a little bit, too. I mean, I, I need that little push. You know, she's, my wife's got to be like, okay, come on. Let's read together, because sometimes, you know, you get to where you can make a million excuses to not do it. Uh, also, Wednesday night bubble study, don't forget about that. That's uh, 6 to 7.30 uh, every week. If you have kiddos, let me know, and we can have uh, kiddo care. Kiddo care. Uh, other than that... We do have one more announcement. I hear it's a... We're going to need some help. Pastor Jack, could you come up and help us out, Wait, buddy? The signal. <laughs> That's Avatar. You just watched that? No, I don't have three hours to spend. It's <laughs> three hours. All right, so Jack has an announcement. Here, come over here so that everybody can get a good look at you. And uh, before you touch that, tell, tell them what you're going to be announcing today. What my mom's going to have. Oh. And it's going to be a baby, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's either going to be pink or it's going to be blue. And that will tell us whether or not your mom is having a boy or a girl. Okay. You got it right. There's two choices there. There really is. Only two. I won't get into that. <laughs> All right. So go ahead and uh, make this happen, Jack. A aim it at, um, no, this is okay. <laughs> aim it at Bob. <laughs> You ready? Oh, we want to do a countdown? You want to do a countdown? Okay. Three, two, one. It's blue. What is it going to be? A boy. A boy. Are you, are you glad it's going to be a boy? Yes. Yeah. Do, do they have any names picked out? Yes, Isaac. Isaac? Yeah. Is it going to be Isaac? Well, congratulations, you guys. 
Good job, Jack. Now, wait a minute. You got to pick all these up. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. But I know that, that uh, Coulter told me he'll give you a dime for every one of these. Okay? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so, and that goes for all of you, too. Coulter will give you a dime. <laughs> so go ahead and let's meet and greet one another and congratulate Nalani on having a boy.
for paying such close attention to the countdown. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. God bless you this morning. So, you know that verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? Do you think we believe that? Do you think we really believe? You know when we believe it? When we get through something. But before we get through it, when we're in it, it's hard to believe that. And right now, I know that, that things are, are tough on the economy. Things are tough on the churches. I was reading again another article about people leaving the church. They're just, you know, they're leaving the office, right? They're working from home. They're watching church at home. And, and you know, they're missing out. They're missing out on really the design that God and the disciples, and they all lined up for the church. And I was just thinking this morning, you know, we've lost a lot of I, I can do all things through Christ. Now we depend on so many other things to take care of us. And can I just encourage you this morning with your, with your giving, with your tithes and your offerings, that you assume the word of God is true and that you understand that no matter what you give, you can never outgive God. Whatever God lays on your heart, no matter what number that number is, God will supply all your needs. All of us in this room this morning, those watching online, have been brought safe thus far. And why would God stop? Would God, would God stop? You know, I, I, I can just, I remember, Coulter, this is your first baby, right? It's your, and I remember that feeling as the husband in the house of, oh God, how am I, how am I going to afford this? How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to find time for it? How am I going to have the energy for it? Oh no, we're going to be up all night and I've never changed a diaper. This is just, a, and wait till God puts the smell in the diaper. That's a whole, that's why he makes babies so cute. Because if babies weren't cute, we wouldn't do that. I'm telling you. But I'm, I just want to encourage you that God will always show up. He will always make a way when you put him first. And that's really the, the deal with our finances. It's the deal with our lives. Whenever we put God first, he always shows up. He always, always, always will. Put your faith in that. Put your, you can never go wrong investing into the kingdom of God. Never. So, are you okay? You look like you had something. You're excited. I love it, Susan. It's good. All right. So, Father, we just lift this offering to you. We ask you to provide for those who give this morning. We ask you to show up in such a powerful way that it encourages us all to depend on you, to rely on you, and to know that you will make a way even when there seems to be no way. That, Father, you are the one who brings streams into the desert. You are the one who owns it all, and we're just asked to manage it. So as we worship you in this way, God, we ask you to give us as the leadership and the board wisdom and, and, and knowledge and knowing to use these finances and be a good steward for your glory. Use it, Lord. Help it expand the kingdom of God, not just here in Amador County, but all around the world. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to encourage you this morning. We're going into a message that I believe can change a lot of us about taking off the limits of ourselves and of God. This 
morning in worship, I encourage you to pray that God speak to you today. Come on, let's all stand in the presence of God and worship Him this morning. Give Him your best this morning. Give Him your focus this morning.
good Lord, never come close. Nothing can compare your
Thank you. 
I am excited. Last week, I hope you remember last week. I know I do. I, you know, it's so funny. I'll tell you this before we get started. I remember one time our superintendent, Brett Allen, and I, we were both youth pastors. This is 150 years ago. And uh, I'll never forget, we were at a little luncheon, a bunch of us youth pastors. Dennis, you'll appreciate this. And uh, I'll never forget, Brett was challenging us with something. He put out a piece of paper for all of us. We all had a piece of paper, a little pencil. And he goes, okay, guys, how many of you in the past, you know, five weeks were in service, or maybe even two services these past five weeks? And we all raised our hands. And he said, that's good. Youth pastors should be in service. That's a good thing. He said, I want you to write down the last five sermons. You don't have to have the exact title, but just write kind of something about the last five sermons your pastor preached. Oh, God, we could barely get, I, I think I got two. It's hard to remember those things. But you, you know what? He was making a point, though. Here's some people that are faithfully in church. Faithfully, I take, I was, when I was a youth pastor, man, I'd sit in that seat. I was taking notes. I was listening. I was praying about it. I was looking up verses. I was doing all the work. And I still could only remember like two out of the last five. And he said, yeah, but because it, it's not always about 
knowing some title or knowing it's bad. It's about continually feeding your spirit, feeding your soul, continually putting in your mind. And you know what the Holy Spirit says in the Bible? That he will quicken our spirits when we need it. That's why his word never comes back void. Last week we talked about being desperate for God. Being desperate for him. And in some ways, it was kind of like putting the cart before the horse. Because some of us are desperate for God. But there are things that hinder us, that keep us from really recognizing what God can really do for us, in us, and through us. There are some amazing things. And we tend to have this way of limiting God. Our text this morning is about unlocking those limitations. This morning, I want us to expand how big God really is in our lives. In other words, we want God to take the brakes off. No limits to what God can do. Theologically, if you ever say God can't, you're in trouble. Because my God can do all things. Amen? Good, you're with me. Now, many people come to Jesus and they fall short of that abundant life that God has promised. And it's usually because we put that abundant life definition into different boxes based on many different things. I found more times than not, walking with Jesus is not a straight line. It's not some consistent belief without controversy and without pain. When people say, I believe in God, That doesn't mean they are receiving everything that God has for them. I've told you this a million times from this platform. One of the hardest things to be as a Christian is to be who you already are in Christ. Because it is possible to have conflicting beliefs. For example, it's, it's possible to believe that God is a healer. God is a healer. That doesn't necessarily mean that you will receive the healing. Because you also believe somehow that maybe you brought this on yourself. So therefore God can't. And while you may praise God for being a healer, some belief system in you will nullify that from walking into that divine healing. Maybe because you have guilt or shame. Oh, God's not going to heal me. I've, I've messed up too much. It is possible to believe that God is going to open a door for you. And yet, many people don't believe they belong on the other side of that door. These belief systems that we often have, they cancel out opportunities that God has genuinely given us. And we have difficulty walking into it because we feel like if we walk into that that door, we walk into that presence of God, for some reason we think we don't fit in here. I'm not a pastor. I haven't been walking with God for 100 years. I I haven't read my Bible as much as that person. I don't belong here. I'll never forget my first, my, we, we have what's called, the Assemblies of God, we have what's called sections. It's how we, we handle the, the, the way that the inner government, so to speak, works in the Assemblies of God. And the way our voices get heard is we have sections. Our church is in what's called the Gold Coast, Gold Country Section. The Gold Country Section, and it's our presbyters, Pastor Craig Andrews over at Christian Heights. And then we have a bunch of these sections, and out of 
four or five sections, then they'll have an executive presbytery who oversees those, and then the executive presbytery and, the, uh, and, and, and our district leadership work together, and it's how the government goes. And we have lunches every once in a while where all the churches and all the pastors in those churches get together and have lunch. And I'll for, never forget the first sectional lunch I went to. I just felt like I did not belong here. These are real pastors. I'm just a guy who was a dental technician who used to sing in bars. How can I belong in this group of pastors? And, uh, and there were several wonderful pastors, Harley Allen being one of them, that said, come sit with us. Come sit at our table. And, and suddenly I started feeling like I belong. It's a faulty belief system. And we fight it all. We, all of us fight it in varying degrees. And what happens is it limits, it delays God in what's in store for you. You may not even be aware of the fact that you have a faulty belief system. For example, when formerly incarcerated criminals get out of jail and suddenly they kind of want to get their life together and they get a regular good job, many times they don't make it very long. They don't like that culture. It's too different. It's uncomfortable. It's a big leap to go from a cell to an office. The terminologies, the atmosphere, everything's different. The culture. And they just have a feeling like they don't fit in here. And anytime you don't fit in, even if it's better, even if it's more than what you prayed for, if you feel like you don't fit in, it will cancel out and make you go back to what's comfortable even if it's self-destructive, even if it's disturbing, but it's familiar. I remember reading about the children of Israel complaining about manna from heaven. And they wanted the food that they had had before. They were used to the food that came out of Egypt. They cried out for leeks and onions. It wasn't that the leeks and the onions weren't good. It was that they were familiar. It was their system of belief. And a faulty belief system will eat at you, destroy you. Remember the man with the demonic son? And Jesus asked him, he said, Lord, you can do anything. And Jesus said, if you believe. He said, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. It's possible to believe and still have unbelief. Lord, I believe there's no doubt about it. I believe it. But God help me in my unbelief. And it can cause, the cause of this can be a couple of things. It can be environmental. It can also be genetics. Environmentally, we believe on a level that we're surrounded. After all, if you think about it, the people you're around, the culture you're around, you get rewarded for certain things. And it can be contagious when you round the people you run with, the crowd that you're with. Because they reward you when you dress a certain way, right? You walk, oh, that outfit looks so cute on you. As Jimmy said to me this morning. Or they reward you when you look a certain way. You got a new haircut. Or they reward you when you eat a certain food because you're eating healthier. Or they reward you when you respond in certain ways. But when you break a rule, when you somehow not acting that way as they are normally used to you acting, then they go, hey, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? You're doing something different. And suddenly you feel rejected because it's affected by your environment. But it can also be there's faulty system beliefs that can happen because of your genetics. 
a disposition that can be inherited or passed down from generation to generation. Oh, all my family's kind of like that. Think about some of the things you fear. You don't even know why you're scared of it. You don't know. Maybe you're scared of heights. You don't know why you're scared of heights, but everybody in your family's always been scared of heights, so I'm scared of heights. I don't like spiders. Nobody in my family likes spiders, so I'm afraid of spiders. We don't know why, but it just gets passed down. And it can make our life harder. It can make our life more difficult. And it can even make us understand miracles in a different way than biblically they are. Let me explain. There are people that thinking getting a new car is a miracle. Pray for me that I get a car. But guess what? We get, and then we get discouraged when we don't get it, right? The devil has a car. The dope dealer has a car. Maybe God's saying, you don't need God to get you a car. You need to get your credit score better. If you get your credit score up to over 700, you're going to be able to get a car. So that's not a miracle. That's just diligent work. And God can help you all through that. I'm not negating it. But a real miracle is if you walk in here, somebody walks in, only has one leg, and by the time the service is over, their leg grew back. That's a miracle. There is no getting around that. You may have gotten a new car and think that was a miracle, but this guy got a leg that grew back. That's a miracle. Do you see how we can put God in this box? The belief system causes you to experience failure in a way that is so amazing to me because we, look at, just like Debbie and I have talked about this before in our youth ministry days especially, I remember one anorexic girl whose dream was to go to college and she wanted to be a doctor, but she had anorexia. She was smart, she was bright, but she couldn't go to school because she believed she was fat. She had a belief system that said she was fat. She was so anorexic and, and not eating at all that, that she got so weak she then couldn't go to school. This conflicting belief system. I know I'm smart enough, but I just don't fit in. I don't look right. Conflicting belief systems, they get in your head and they cancel you out. I had a belief system that was based on a book that came out years ago that every pastor read, and I'm telling you, it put me in bondage. It said with every premise in the Bible, if every promise in the Bible that God gives you, he has a premise. With every promise, there's a premise. For God so loved the world, right? And, it, and, and the premise is whoever believes in him and the promise is they'll have everlasting life. And I remember feeling horrible because I was struggling financially and my pastor was saying, listen, with every promise, there's a premise. The premise is you tithe, you give to God and he opens up the storehouses. The premise is you have to give and the promise is he supplies. Well, that sounds good and it is biblical. Until you start thinking, oh, God's not going to bless me because I didn't give enough in the offering. God's not going to bless me because I sinned in this way. God's not going to help me because I'm this and I'm that. And you fill the whole, your whole life with premises and you figure out ways why you're not getting God's promises. Until someone woke me up and said, hey, what about Abraham? I said, what about Abraham? Well, Abraham was promised to be a father of many nations. 
I said, yeah, because he was a man of faith. No, it said he was accredited faith. Where was the premise? Where did God say what he had to do in order to fulfill that promise? Nothing. So that destroyed my belief system. So this morning, I want to tear down. I want God to tear down this whole system and potentially increase the level in your life of your ability. Check this out. This is, God's economy is amazing. I want God, you to, to expand your ability to receive more from God. Some of you say, oh, God's given me so much. He might have, but he's got more because we're still here. So if you have your Bibles this morning, open up to Luke chapter 5. Go to Psalms. It's to the right. You go Matthew, Mark, then Luke. Turn to Luke chapter 5. And we're going to focus on the first 11 verses. I have it up on the screen for you if you don't have it. Luke chapter 5. That's where we're going to be in today. It's a fun story. Fun story because I don't see real negative stuff here. I see stuff about Jesus trying to get something drilled into the heads of his disciples. I always like that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of humanity in it. It always makes me happy. Peter. Whenever there's a story about Peter, it makes me happy. So I want to preface it by you're going to hear the language in this is in New King James. Jesus has not called them yet. He will in this chapter, but he hasn't renamed Simon Peter yet. So you'll be referred to as Simon, but his name is Peter. You'll recognize the name is Peter. So Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them, and they were washing their nets. So Jesus is trying to preach, but all the people are pushing in too much, pushing too much. So Jesus needs a boat to put some distance between them. And here's Simon out there and the fishermen, and they're washing their nets. His belief system said the fishing time was over. When they were washing their nets, it means they were done. They were not going to catch any fish. They had given up. It's time to go wash my nets. They had toiled all night. They had caught nothing. And his belief system had taught him that you can't catch at night. His limited belief system had left him in a place of giving up. He's sitting there cleaning his nets. And when Jesus came along, he was confronting this fisherman who were washing his nets. And it had a sign. Jesus saw it. They were washing their nets. They had given up. I wonder how many people online this morning, how many people in here are washing your nets? And you, you're just done. So you're washing your nets. You've decided it's too late. You're too old, too fat, I'm too bad, I'm too thin, too short, I'm too whatever. And it's brought to you a place where you've given up and you're just sitting washing your nets. So this is the challenge for, for us today. If you've been sitting there washing your net. You've made yourself comfortable with an empty boat and no fish. You've decided this as far as you can go. You've even just justified it by saying, well, if the Lord had meant me to have a boat full of fish, I'd have a boat full of fish. Quitting isn't just the removal of the body from a situation. It's the removal of the spirit from a situation, which is so much worse when you've just got this spirit of defeat. And Peter, Simon, Peter's spirit had been broken. And he's watching his nets, and Jesus come down. 
And he disrupts everything that Peter believes. Jesus is a rabble-rouser. Whenever Jesus comes, let me warn you, he will disrupt everything. I know you want a nice, neat little, we all do, a neat little Jesus that fits comfortably inside our little box. We don't want him to shake up everything or we don't want him to take us out of our comfort zone. But our Jesus is radical, folks. He's a yoke breaker. Whenever, wherever Jesus went, he turned things upside down. If Jesus hasn't turned your life upside down, you've got to get into more of Jesus. So verse 3, we'll continue on. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Jesus gets in the boat, and he sits down. And the crowd is on the beach, and he, he sits there, and he turns a boat into a pulpit. And he sits down. Now, what's interesting in this passage, it never says what Jesus preached on. We don't get that. I would have liked to have heard that sermon, Jesus. But some things God has kept to us a mystery. Because in this story, it isn't about what Jesus preached, it's about what he did. He's reinforcing that words can be hollow sometimes, and it's the actions that mean everything. So verse 4, when he, when he had stopped speaking, Jesus had, he turns to Simon and says, Launch out into the deep and let your nets for, down for a catch. Let that down your nets for a catch. Jesus wants to, wants to get up, go, make him understand what's going on here. He says, I want you to launch out. I think that's what God is trying to tell us today. Launch out. Go to the deep. God has something for you in the deep. The reason it's not happening, the reason you're not getting it, the reason you're not maybe getting your breakthrough is because you haven't gone deep enough. Let's go on, verse 5. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Just stop feeling sorry for yourself. You almost want to tell them. You're talking about what didn't work. You've toiled all night. You've been up all day. You can do Nothing's working, Jesus. Nothing's working. That stuff is over. We have to put that behind us. When it comes to our thoughts with Jesus, it's never over till Jesus says it's over. Don't let your yesterday steal your today. I know I tried it yesterday, so it's not going to work today. How do you know? Maybe there's a higher purpose for the boat than what you know. Simon says, I can't go, Lord. I've been struggling all night and haven't caught anything. But everything on the boat is now going to change. Launch out into the deep, he says. I know it's not supposed to work in the daytime. The fish are normally biting at night. But if Jesus says it's going to happen at any time... And if God says, launch into the deep, then launch into the deep. And suddenly I realized something in this message when I was reading through it this morning, I was noticing something that I didn't see this whole week that I had been working on this message. I thought about this. I thought about this. Peter owns the boat, but Jesus owns the sea. Peter owns the boat, but Jesus owns the sea. You don't want what's in the boat. 
You want what's in the sea. It's the wrong time. Nobody's fishing. All the boats are docked. Everybody's quiet. Everybody's laid back. Peter is the only fool out there in the middle of the daytime. Where there's no other fishermen out on the water. When you are all alone, look out. God might be getting ready to do something. When you are out there, out there on your own and you feel like a fool because you've tried it a million times before one way and now Jesus is saying to do it. Now that you have Jesus, look out. He's about to take the brakes off. Have you ever tried to drive with an emergency brake on? You can do it, huh? But something doesn't feel right. Something's dragging you. Something's holding you back. Dear Lord Jesus, take the emergency brake off my life. God's getting ready to unlock and to cast off those limitations. You've been frustrated. You've been tied down. You've given up. You know what? You've been washing your nets. Stop washing your nets. It's time to launch the boat. Amen? And remember, you own the boat, but he owns the sea. Verse 6. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Pretty cool miracle right there. Watch this, though. This, is, this whole message is based on one letter. This whole message I got from one letter in this, in this passage. They dropped their net, it says. A net. That's not what Jesus told them, was it? Can you go back a couple of slides, get to where Jesus told them to do? I don't know where it's at. Well, just go back one and see if it's there. Okay. I will let down the net. Catch that. Now go back one more. That's going to be it. So it was the multitude pressed in to hear the word of God, and he stood by the sea. He saw the boat standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone from them and were washing their nets. Go back. One. Oh, no, no, go forward. Sorry. Then he got into the boat, blah, 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 sat down and tied the multitude. Go one more. It's got to be after that. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your... There's an S in there, isn't there? There's an S. One letter. Nets. Peter, go get all your nets. Go grab them all. Go to the next slide, please. But Simon answered him, Master, we've toiled all night. Caught nothing, nevertheless, at your word. I will let down the net. It's almost like Peter going, okay, carpenter boy. I just heard you preach. It was a pretty good message. I, I, you know what? I'll go get a net. I'm not getting all my nets. I just washed them all. Because I don't really believe you for all of it. But I'll just grab my smallest net. I'll just grab that because it's easier. And I'll go out there besides everybody would laugh at me if I grabbed all the nets. So go to the next slide, slide eight, I believe. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and what? Their net was breaking. Anytime you see Jesus on the boat, you better bring everything you got. Imagine if he had done that. What if he had turned to his friends and said, 
Jesus just told me to cast my nets out in the daytime. You guys, can I borrow all your nets? And if you want to get on this, you ought to get your boat out there too because Jesus is telling us to cast the nets into the deep. Yes, I know it's the middle of the daytime. Yes, I know we toiled all night and haven't caught anything. But Jesus said to do it. So I'm going to do it. But instead, he's kind of like, ah, kind of do it. I'll kind of see what Jesus can do. We started out washing nets, and when we get to the boat, we're breaking nets. Why didn't you throw everything out of Peter? Why? Why did it was driving me nuts? And it's because of his belief system, his reluctance in the first place. I'll just throw one net out of it. Jesus isn't a fisherman. He's a carpenter's son. What does he know? I'm just going to go throw one net. Verse 7, it says, So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats, and they began to sink. This is so important. This is why we need our church. This is why we need our community. Because when Jesus is getting ready to do something, you need people who are going to help pull up the fish. You need people that are going to help lift you up, help encourage you and strengthen you and be there for you. You've got to have a community of people there for you. Jesus is about ready to do a miracle in your life, and you're going to need people around you to fulfill the mission. What's God getting ready to give you might be too big for your boat. So many fish are waiting on something. God is waiting on something. And what I believe it is is obedience. If Peter hadn't done what Jesus said, he'd be sitting there with his clean nets. But he was obedient. So many fish, I think, are waiting our obedience. So many people are waiting. God is waiting. God is waiting on us. Because if we keep throwing a little bitty net out or one little net, God's just going to break it. But listen to this. There, we serve a God named El Shaddai, which means he is the God who is more than enough. So here's Peter. Simon, he's out there. He's throwing out his net. So many fish. It's breaking. Do you have any idea what you missed while you were washing your nets? That's what I want to see Peter say. Guys, you see what you missed? When we have just the one net, when we are just testing God, it doesn't stretch us, but he will stretch you. It's going to take out your comfort zone. You might have to do something in the daytime when you know darn well that doesn't make any sense. It's going to challenge your belief system. It's going to come right down to it. You've got to stop thinking what defines you and let it be God undefine you. Because all things are possible through Christ who gives me strength. It's not supposed to be happening, God. It's not supposed to be happening this way. I don't get it. It's not even supposed to be happening at this time. God, I don't think I could do it. It's not the right time in my life. It's not the right time in my career. I'm too old. I'm too fat. I can't do it. I'll do it when I have other things ready, God. I don't have the finances to do what you're asking me to do. I can't do it. I don't know if I'm ready for what you're about to do, God. I could just hear Coulter in my head right now. I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know if I got the finances for this. I don't know, but he's getting ready to birth something in you big. Listen, if you would just tweak your traditions and your beliefs just a little, 
from our limited belief system. This message is really a warning that your limited belief system is going to make you miss out on a net full of fish. You're called to the deep, not the shallow. You've been groomed to have low expectations. And now God wants to do something abundant. You're going to have to break your limited belief system. There's, and I know this is much more than about the fish. Because Peter had an encounter with Jesus. And it was not a result of Peter's righteousness. Here's how I know this, because the rest of the passage says in verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at, the knee, at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish in which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, and the partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Simon says to Jesus, I am a sinful man. So the fish are not the reward for his righteousness. The fish is the reward for their obedience. Do not be afraid. From now on you're going to catch men. I think it's so interesting in this verse. They catch the, the catch of their life. With one net, it's filled both boats in the middle of the day. There's this abundance. And they would be able to sell these fish. They'd be able to eat these fish. They had such great provision, abundance given by God. And then what does Jesus tell them to do? So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. The biggest bounty they have ever caught, and they leave it to follow Jesus. Are we willing to leave it to follow Jesus and trust him for even more than a couple of boats full of fish? Jesus says, I'm going to unlock those limitations you guys have been thinking about. I'm going to give you exceedingly and abundantly beyond blessings, beyond everything you can imagine. It's going to strain your system of belief. But let me tell you something, Peter. This is not about the bottom line because I'm not going to just make you a rich fisherman. That wasn't Jesus' purpose to make him the most popular dude who fishes in the daytime and catches all kinds of fish. Jesus now says, you see that? I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to make you go out and tell my story. But let me tell you something, Peter. The amazing thing about this conversation, is this, this is what blows my mind in this whole thing. This happens twice in the Bible. This is the first one. After Jesus had been crucified, risen from the dead, it happens again. Jesus really likes fish. Yeah, I do too, Susan. Do you remember when Jesus was walking on the seashore? After the cross, after the resurrection, Jesus hollers to the disciples who were in the boat with Peter. And remember, last time Peter saw Jesus, he was told he was going to deny him three times. And he did. And in John chapter 21, it almost reads like the same thing 
He says, children, do you have any food? And they said, no, Lord, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. And Jesus said to him, thrust your nets to the other side. The Bible says when Jesus said that, Peter jumped off the boat. Literal translation, he jumped off the boat in his underwear. He was so excited. The fish jumped in the net. Peter jumped off the boat. Because that triggered something, didn't it? Peter went, wait a minute. It says that he didn't recognize him at first, whoever said that, until he heard that. He said, wait a minute, I've heard this before. This has happened before. This must be Jesus. It must be Jesus. He hops out of the boat. He's not thinking of anything but that. It's come full circle into this deeper understanding now of who Jesus is. Understanding who Jesus is in your life will help you understand who you are in your life. Peter says, I'm not going to make that same mistake twice. Yes, he's going to bless me with fish, but it's not about the fish. It's about the master. Peter jumps off the boat, starts swimming to the shore, only find out that when you make Jesus first in your life, the fish you gave up, the career you gave up, the abundance you gave up, you've really lost nothing. Because when he gets to land, what is Jesus doing? In John chapter 21, he is making breakfast. He's cooking some fish. Wait, you left the fish? But because you left the fish and made me first, Jesus says, I have prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And you're going to walk into that blessing that I prepared for you. God is preparing something for you. Do you realize the difference in this story isn't just that it happened again. The big difference is this time, Jesus isn't calling them. He's already called them to ministry. He's going to empower them with the Holy Ghost. That's going to happen. But he's symbolically making breakfast for them. He is now completing what you do with the fish. He's going to feed them. Jesus is cooking breakfast. Peter hops out of the boat because he remembers Jesus is going to take care of me. In the gospel according to Luke, it says they caught 157 fishes. They had brought them all into the boat. But Peter didn't care about any of those fish. He left them all behind. He started swimming for Jesus. And he got more than he gave up. You're always going to get more than you give up when it comes to Jesus. God's got cooking up for you is better than anything you could have done for yourself. God honors obedience. Now, I don't know what obedience in your life you need to focus on, but whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now, it's time to get to it. You've got to ask yourself, do you want God to unlock these limitations? Do you want Him to take the break off? Do you want Him to stir you up? Do you want to be released and finally believe that nothing is impossible with God? Are you ready to have your nets stretched? And I mean nets. Don't just do one. Look at Jesus gave it all. Galatians tells us to offer our bodies as a, our whole bodies, our whole self as a living sacrifice unto God. What are you holding on to that is keeping the brakes on in your limitations? What is it in your past or with somebody... 
somebody's told you. It's a great old movie. I've talked about this before. It's super old, dumb movie. It's, it's uh, Burt Reynolds, Beverly D'Angelo. It's like in the 80s, this movie. And uh, he wants to have a boy. He wants to have, Burt Reynolds wants to have a boy. So he hires Beverly D'Angelo to ha- make a baby. But he's got all these weird things. Makes her listen to whale sounds, eat certain food, you know, trying to everything they can have a boy. And finally she says to him, why do you want to have a boy? I mean, why do you want to have a kid? What? I don't understand this passion you have of wanting a kid so badly. And the character in the movie says, you know what? I once knew this kid who, uh, he could ride his bike, and it was amazing how he could ride his bike. Yeah, he could do anything on that bike. He could do flips and circles and wheelies and do all kinds of things. In fact, he could ride on top of a fence and his wheels would be this far off the wood. He would defy gravity. He was amazing. She goes, I still don't know why do you want to have a kid? Because He said, because some schmuck someday is going to teach that boy about gravity and I want to be there for him when he learns it. Jesus can unlock all of our limitations if we start thinking about him as bigger than anything we can imagine. He can fill the nets. He can have you ride a bike that far off the the fence. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If you let him and get rid of the old limitations you had. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. I hope whatever you've been given up, whatever you've given up on, whatever thing you think is in season, out of season, or you just think it's past whatever you thought, forget it. Forget it. Get rid of all of that. Get rid of all that stuff and listen to what Jesus says. Cast your net into the deep. Let him bless you abundantly. But it takes obedience. It takes following him. So, Father, we ask you to increase our measure of faith this morning. I pray this morning those online, those in here today, will start thinking of a bigger God than they ever imagined, that they've only been releasing one net and it's time to give it all. That, Father, some of them are holding back things from you and it's time to trust you with everything. That, Father, this morning some of us have given up on certain things and we're sitting here cleaning our nets. Oh, Father, help us not give up. When it involves you, God, all things are possible. You can heal that person. You can bring provision to that person. You can heal relationships. God, you can save the lost. You can do all things. And God, help us in our obedience to follow you and understand you are preparing a place for us right now. You are preparing a a, a banquet right in front of our enemies because you are the God of abundance. It doesn't say you're preparing some little meal here or snack or appetizer. It says a banquet. And God, you can bless us abundantly more than we can ever imagine. So God, we're asking you to take the brakes off. Get rid of our predisposed limitations, whether it be our environment or genetics. 
that God, we just get rid of them right now. We walk in that new life, that new born again life, the new life that is in you and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We walk in that beginning right now. Even if we're the only fools out there on the lake, we will do it because you told us to. So bless the remainder of our day and week and let us see our unlimited God bless us abundantly beyond measure. We ask you to do this in the mighty name of Jesus and the church said, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you Wednesday at Bible study. We'll see you Thursday at the seniors potluck and then back here Sunday, right? For Father's Day. So don't forget to come back. God bless you guys. <laughs>